Captain's Log, Episode 75. This week's episode of the Beer Avengers Podcast is sponsored by the Beer and Cheese Collective, located at 35-11 Dittmars Boulevard in Astoria, Queens. Enjoy their eclectic array of craft beer, artisanal cheeses, and specialty grocery items at the Beer and Cheese Collective. We're co-sponsored on this episode by Single Cut Beer Smiths. Visit their original location at 1933 37th Street in Astoria, Single Cut North in Saratoga, and coming soon, Single Cut Barn in Manlius, New York, or just look for them wherever you get your craft beer. Single Cut, where mastery knows no shortcut. On this episode, Captain Huck and the Beer Wonders spring into April with special guest beer vendor to be, General Manager of Single Cut Beer Smiths, Dan Bronson. We've got five amazing pours, a great origin story, and of course, the naming ceremony. This may be April, but we're not fooling around with this one. Okay, there may be a little foolishness, but it's all in good fun. Remember to like, star, and subscribe whenever that feels appropriate. And send us your emails at thebeervengers at gmail.com if you have any questions, suggestions, or if you just like hearing us talk about you on the show. And now, without further ado, please enjoy episode 75, Springtime for Kid Charlemagne. With a beer, 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 Avengers, beer, 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 Avengers, beer, 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 Avengers. With a beer, Avengers. Welcome to the Beercast, everyone. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Astoria, Queens, I am Captain Porter Brownstout. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in the city of Fresno, California, this is I, the pale male Hophead Huck. And coming to you from an undisclosed location in the County of Kings, it is I, the Beer Wonder. And we are... The... the, the, the I had to get a breath in there. Yeah, it's I know, that was, that was, I forgot that to hold it. Diaphragm. It's always an adventure. Welcome to the Beercast, everyone. Uh, this is uh, very exciting to be here, not just because we're here. It's been a few weeks. Uh, we're looking forward to springing into spring did i actually just say that i'm not anyway uh it is it's spring uh it's our first uh first time uh, in april and we're not fooling about that um in fact we're so not fooling oh we have uh we you know we've we've had people uh from bars before we've had uh uh we've had uh, one or two people from breweries before but this is the first uh time we've had uh someone from my home brewery the one closest to my mm-hmm. house uh please welcome general manager of single cut beer smiths dan bronson Woo! Gentle folks, Beer Avengers, how are you today? Welcome. Pretty good. Especially good ha- having you here. As, and as you heard in the uh, oh, yeah. in, in the in the opening bit, uh, that uh, the cold open is uh, as they call it. Uh, this show is a, is co-sponsored by Single Cut Beer Smiths, so uh, you might be seeing some sponsored pours very soon. That was a, at at the absolute chillest. That was a, a lukewarm open. That was. That was good. That was meaty. I was, I'm pumped. I, I wasn't expecting oh, thank, it. Thanks, I didn't man. know I was going to get a show. 
I'm we're right a full high. production every time. Yeah. Quite, quite honestly, the uh, the cold open has not been recorded yet. Uh, so that, but when people hear this, they will have heard me introducing you as one of our co-sponsors. Uh, but that's a whole. Well, we're getting a little too inside baseball here right now, showing people too much how the sausage is made. So meta. Wow, that's and a we're not here. Open then it doesn't even exist yet. It's absolute zero open. I love it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Frozen in time. Um, so I think that uh, all this talk about the opening makes me think we should be opening some beers. Hey. Yes, I hey, think we I absolutely should. Yes. yes, I know yes. that was good work. And I am now that stumped, spring has sprung. <laughs> it has indeed. I am stumped. You're stumped. I just don't know how we do this. How are we talking go about? about well, who you know, because it's time to open up some beers. Yeah. But with with all this this springiness in the air, I feel like my allergies have got me all confused, and I don't know how we divide this up, gentlemen. I wonder. Well, I, wonder. I, I need you to I help me. I think you're a little bit off because you haven't had a beer yet. Uh, so I'm just gonna That's just true. I want to just 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 look into your inner self, just engage uh -huh. that third eye, and what would be okay. the most polite? I mean, I guess we should have Dan go first. Well, yeah, uh -huh. uh, yes, I yes. I thought you weren't going to ask. It was going to be so awkward. I mean, yeah, yeah you I haven't know. lost it. Of course, our guest always goes yeah. first. Uh, Please, Dan, what, what do you have for us today? I, I knew you were refined, gents. I appreciate that politeness. So kind of you. Well, you know, I'm looking around here. This is a nice special occasion. Uh, you know, Porter Brownstone's been around the block. I've, I've, I've seen that face and that cape waving in the Astoria air for many a year, so I got a little <laughs> sentimental. I got reminiscent. You know, this is year 10 for single cut for us. 10, mm -hmm. 10 years. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It's just a whole thing, you know. We've been, we've been doing this craft beer game for a while. We've made a lot of great beers. But I, I, I had something that was been lying around, quite literally, lying around for a long, long time. Um, a beer that, like all great cellared beers, was not intentional. I forgot about it. Um, <laughs> and it happens to be the last bottle run that we ever did at Single Cup Beersmiths before we moved everything over to cans back in 2017. This is actually the very wow. first beer brand that we ever brewed. This is Dean Pacific oh, yeah. Northwest yes. Mahogany Ale. This, this wow. beer technically does not exist in this form any longer. Dean it's in a bottle. Dean in a bottle. Dean in a bottle. So you're Somebody saying this Dean has been me. aged since? Uh, since, uh, well, there's no room for guessing here. Uh, Halloween Day 2017. Okay. Wow. All right. Oh, wow. This, is, uh, this was already right. a special occasion, but even more so let's, now that we're let's right. See, let's see this beauty. Uh, see, the nice thing, though, is that this wasn't really a beer that was designed to be aged. So, right. You know, the joke might be on me here, but well, it's, it's got its it's got it's got a nice head. It's, got, it's gorgeous, yeah, it's beautiful. actually. It the, really is pouring nicely. The, the oh, color looks life there. perfect. It kept all of its carbonation. Nice job, uh, retired bottling machine. Uh, chin chin to you, bottling machine, and whatever mechanical hell you're in now. Oh, beautiful! Heck, and yeah, hold I, hold, I, hold I, that I bottle up next that. to it again. Yeah, let's see the bottle next to the uh, next to that. Beautiful what a great beer. choice! Oh yeah, what that is a great, great choice. Wow, that is now, epic. Now, Dan, is it just is it just the uh, the bottles that have been retired, or has that beer been retired altogether? So Dean is still around, but Dean's morphed a little bit. Dean's more of like a hoppy hmm. red ale now. When when we okay. first started, Dean was our very first beer, and back yeah, then it was basically we took our amber recipe, our brown recipe, and uh, one of our IPAs. We just kind of mashed them all together. 
It was a super interesting beer. It was definitely like one of the most idiosyncratic things we've ever brewed. And uh, it was a, it was a real it was a real winner, but uh, a little you know difficult to explain to people. So over the years, it's gotten a little bit more focused and a little bit less experimental, um, and it's become one of my absolute favorite beers. You can find it in cans. We release it twice a year. You can find it on draft all year long throughout New York City and New York. Um, but this OG, this is a little time capsule I just popped. Yeah, that's it's, beautiful. It's not gonna I'm not gonna get another one back. Gorgeous head, still sticking around. Wow, nice job. Yeah, I was gonna say fruit. that. It's done a really good job. It's just a testament to, to the quality of your beers over all these years. Excellent. Well, 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 uh, Beer Wonder, I think to sort of uh, get your allergies and your spring head back into the game, I think I think you should go okay. next. Okay. Well, you know, we're going to work on that. Hop in, Huck, Huck no. you think that's a good idea? I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, Dan, I, I, question. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm stocked on ammo here. Can, can, do you mind if I join you on the next beer? Can I, can I open a couple? Oh, I, sure, I, sure. I mean, honestly, if you're no, willing, there's because... no limit. There's okay. no limit. No, I'm just gonna I, take off my shoes, I'm, I'm... put them up on the furniture. All right. Perfect. Well, welcome, welcome to the family. Today, I'm pleased to say that I will be drinking a sponsored pour. That's right, a sponsored pour from our friends at Single Cut. Dan was gracious enough to supply me with this beer. Um, and if I recall correctly, Dan, this is an award-winning beer. Um, yeah, it is the Frequency Lager. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to join cut, you because yeah. I'm I'm selfish. I want a one for myself. Uh, I know. Silver Medal Award winning beer, uh, Great American Beer Festival 2021. Yeah, um, I have uh, had the great joy of sampling this beer a few times in the past, um, and I love the kind of you traditional European take that you got. But it's got a, if my memory serves me correctly, it's got a nice kind of a little bit of citrus floral, almost honey character to it, and just a little bit of bitterness on the back end, which is just how I like it. So very excited. I'm going to pour mine if you want to pour one too. Oh, Fantastic. he's got the frequency, yeah. Get him going. Oh, very good. Oh, now, I will say that, uh, that maybe a lot of people maybe don't know this because Single Cut's known for the IPAs, but Single Cut is an awesome lager house. Absolutely oh, incredible. awesome. Uh, with gorgeous, and also fan. gorgeous... Gorgeous can art on this one. I love mm-hmm. the multicolored frequency waves that you've got going on And it's got the nice hoppy color there. Uh, not just mm-hmm. straw colored, almost a little haze to it, it looks like. Yep, and it just jumps right out at you. Just right out of the, that, that you get a little bit of floralness, you get a little bit of resininess, a little bit of bitter. It's just all right there the minute you pour it. So it's one of those beers that it, it's hard to wait on once it's in the glass. So cheers uh i will take my sips with everyone but i feel like i need to share the oh and dan has done the inappropriate glassware if i'm not mistaken yes inappropriate oh this is my favorite a a turbinger this is uh my ultimate Mm -hmm. uh lager glass yeah it's good Uh, lager glass if you've got a great high carbonation beer like frequency Mm -hmm. you go for a lower carbonation style you're going to lose a lot of that carb in a glass like this but um Guys, it's been a long day and it's been a long week, and I, I really don't plan on letting this be in the glass for too too long today. Uh, I think it's great. It. You don't you don't usually see flights with that big pores, but I really admire your commitment there. <sighs> yeah, you know, Captain. All right. Uh, yes. Uh, so this is one. Uh, no, to no surprise to uh, anyone here, uh, this is another sponsored pour. That's right. It is a oh, sponsored pour from our co-sponsor, Single Cut Beer Smiths. Uh, the hop there is sort of disappearing a little bit there. Ah. This is, of course, is the 18 watt IPA. Oh, uh, such a good sort of there, the, 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 with the lovely wings there. Yes, thank I'm you, Dan, for showing I'm looking forward to seeing this in the glass. 
Oh yeah, this is one I had. I have not had. Well, I had I, full disclosure. Uh, your uh, what, what's Orlando's job? What is He's his our title? Tapper manager for Queens. Your taproom manager gave me a very generous assortment of beer, so I was able to pre-sample this. And I realized I hadn't had it for a long time, and I, I had completely forgotten. Well, this is something we'll get into this when we get to the tasting notes. Uh, but it's a beautiful one. And here, let's just take a look at this. Oh, I love this beer, and I love watching it pour. It just yeah, makes me want one. Great. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. There we go. Look at that. Good, juicy, good head juicy, build up juicy. there. Looking All gorgeous. Right. Uh, let's hold up the cam. I can, I can basically, I've had this one enough that I can taste this one already just from here <laughs> on the other side of the screen. <laughs> All right. Uh, you've been very patient, Huck. Uh, your turn. Well, I've been, uh, you know, uh, have, uh, I've sampled a lot of single cut in my life in New York, so I, I feel uh, that's okay. I don't quite have one today, but I'm going to go with this baby here. This is the Jack Rabbit Brewing Company Chocolate Oatmeal Stout. And you can see okay. the uh, seasonal uh, chocolate bunnies on there. Uh, I'm not very religious, but I do worship chocolate bunnies. So let's open this. Spring has sprung. I don't know. Yeah, I just came up with that line. Guys. Sorry, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think I, I think I already know which song to to overlay over these poor picks for you. <laughs> Let me go ahead and pour. This has got a nice color to it. Let's see. Pour it right over my computer. I guess. Don't yeah, do that. Not over the keyboard. I, I have no choice. I got to get it on camera. Yeah. Oh, that's looking good. Jesus. Thank you. It's it's brownstone. <laughs> I was hoping that was what you were going with. That's exactly okay. So yeah, you know that. Well, <laughs> single cut Ooh, is known for their music. Just so licking the can, I already taste the chocolate there. All right. All right. Oh, let me get myself uh, one of these. Oh, very that good. is just a gorgeous looking beer right there too. Beauty. Mm-hmm. I, I love. I, it poured a lot thinner than I was anticipating for the way it was described. So I'll be excited to hear how it's tasted. Well, with the uh, with the light source behind it, I'm not seeing through it. So okay. It's all right, everyone. got a brown. Oh, okay. Let's drink. Oh, yeah. No, yes. Yeah. We've all got a full glass. I'm thirsty. Everyone, raise a glass. Cheers, Beer Avengers. Cheers. Mm, that's really good. Oh, wow. Oh, my. Oh. That's like. Uh... <laughs> yeah, Huck, you got the mystery here. You're leaving us in suspense. I know. A real cacao uh, flavor right up front, and then almost got a little bit of that, a little bit of like a little funk, like a little, little bit of, of like wet socks kind of vibe in a good way. <laughs> wet socks in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. Okay. Well. Wow. I don't know. It's like so chocolatey that. Hmm. It's really. I, I got to check if there's chocolate in here, but it's good. A jackrabbit. Excellent. I believe out of Sacramento. We talk more about that later. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Dan, I got to know, how has this beer held up over all of these many, many I did years? notice that you weren't going right for the Dean. Yeah. <laughs> well, I won't. Uh, it just wasn't the one in my hand, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. If anybody gotta, ever asks you. got to know. We got to know. What's your favorite beer? If their answer isn't the one in my hand, it's <laughs> not true. a friend of mine. <laughs> it actually held up beautifully well. And I, and I will say Amazing. I cheated a little bit because... I found another one of these bottles just buried in the back of a New Jersey liquor store a couple of years ago. And we all tried mm-hmm. it and thought, oh, wow, this was so, this, this held up beautifully. So when I found this last one, I had a little inclination. I knew it was going to be a tasty treat. And it sure is. I mean, it has a big all hop right. pro- profile in it normally. Uh, that dry mm-hmm. hop obviously has faded out years and years ago. 
But a nice reverse hop bill, which is how we mm-hmm. brew all of our beers. There's no featured hop beer. It's always big blends, trying mm-hmm. to bring out different characteristics of the beers, really trying to be complementary and respecting the fact that, you know, hops are viticulture. There's terroir involved. Just because it says mm-hmm. Citra on a box doesn't mean it's going to taste the same as last year in a different box. It's always going to be different. So we're always being very active in how we build our beers, blend our hops, and all that kind of cool stuff. But the reason why this beer holds up is because of the malt base. Same okay. deal. We don't have a beer that's one malt. That's just not how we operate. There's some amazing single malt, single hop beers. It's just not how we like to brew. And this beer is such a beautiful and complex uh, malt bill. You know, we got a lot of really intense biscuity flavors. Got some nice caramel malts. Some good, really intense dark roasted malts. And then some really beautiful base malts. Uh, especially in this era of single cut brewing, we're using most of our malts we're importing from Scotland. Um, so having these oh. really nice. Uh, I did not know that. Great base layer for uh, all of our beers. And uh, it really shines. Five years with low oxygen being held at a great temperature. It's really just given them a chance to kind of widen out. And as those hop aromas abated and they oxidized very gently into these kind of dark fruit aromas, it just complements those malt even more if you were blindfolded and asked me how old this beer was i don't know if i would have said it was six and a half years old but uh it's really uh it's showing its love i gotta i gotta give a chin chin to the brew crew when i see him tomorrow to let him know uh, indeed that's fantastic quality yeah, control quality assurance it's all that matters keep that oxygen out and that beer is gonna be good a long time i, I do I recall we got yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, we're going to need Dan to describe all our beers here. I think so. I, that was gorgeous. Not tasting poetry. them all, but... Yeah, I, 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 remember the, I remember the first time I went to, like that, back when Single Cut first opened, slightly before your tenure, Dan. Uh, I think I think the two first beers were Dean and the 1933. You are 100% right. And though I wasn't there for the year after that, that was me, Mr. Brownstone, behind the taps that day. Slinging that oh. 1933 and that Dean OG. That was myself and a big shout out for Tommy Ortega, who's over at Solid State in Woodside now. We, oh, very uh, good. We've been bar managers in the neighborhood State, for yeah. years. And so we came in to help the nascent and very, very small single cut crew right when they opened. And one of our other beer vendors, uh, the Belgian babe, uh, is a frequenter of Solid State. She lives in that neighborhood. She Love talks that. about it a lot. Love yeah. that bar. Well, beer wonder. I think. I think. I don't know. I don't know how. What order we want to go here? Uh, let's let's hear a little more about the frequency. Well, I mean, I, I I just very much love this beer, and I completely understand why it would be award winning. Because for me, it is sort of it. Oftentimes, I think you know, lagers get a bad name. They're pretty simple. We've given them base, but this one is just there is it almost is almost a transitional beer for me. It always starts sweet and it always ends bitter, and I I feel like it's a complex and interesting journey each time that does kind of have the ups and downs of the frequency on the can. Um, and I'm and and for me, there's like. I, I'm, you, you talk about how you guys are mixing malt. I'm curious if the honey, if, if that's what I'm getting or what, what, is there anything you can tell me more about this malt blend? Because it is a lovely malt forward beer where I'm getting highs and lows from the hops, but the malt really does for me, pull this whole thing together, which I just love about it. Uh, yeah. A hundred percent. The honey is coming that aroma and that flavor a hundred percent from the malt and yep. no uh, quote unquote honey malt which is a, which is a yep. thing we don't use that in here right. uh, okay. we do cherish our secrets in the single cut of world course. but of i course. i will give you a couple hints 
a lot okay. of the interesting nature of this beer, and I certainly think one of the reasons why it's won so many awards, yeah. comes from a really diverse malt base. So your palate was dead on. Okay. You picked out exactly yeah. what's unique about this beer. And mm -hmm. it's not just barley malt. A lot oh, of what fun. makes this beer really pop is some really interesting specialty malts. Okay. Uh, and I, I'll keep the brands and the farms to myself for the sure, moment. Of but they're spelt in there. Oh, cool. And that's okay. a big one. That like awesome ancient grain. Mm -hmm. It's got a really intense kind of like dusty, nutty character to it, which mm -hmm. we really, really like. And then we make this beer with a very specific uh, yeast strain. Okay. Um, which is German in origin. Okay. It has a really rigorous fermentation in the world of uh, lagers, that is, which sure. that's not usually how they work. They're usually a little slow. They take their yep. time. This one likes to come out of the gate pretty fast, and it can get out of control if you let it. Mm. So how do we counterbalance that? Frequency has a um, financially irresponsible <laughs> lagering time. Uh, so we let that uh, ah, that's the way to do it yeah that's yeah that's the magic right there constantly be in the poorhouse that's the way to have a great craft brewery let me let me tell you um, so the key to making a good lager is to lager the key yeah the the key to making a good lager is to lager and i just got back from we had our new york state brewers conference a couple weeks ago and um i was sitting at a panel and some really great Lager brewers from uh, across New York State. Matt Levy from Threes was kind of the lead on the panel. Uh, Matt's one of the best brewers in the world, let alone in New York State. And that was kind of the takeaway from everybody is, how do, you, how do we make great lager? It's like, well, you have to have a failing business model. That's how you make great <laughs> lager. Yeah. Yeah. Just just make sure there's no chance of ever seeing black on that PNL, and that lager is going to be great. You know, put a lot of great malt, expensive hops, a lot of them, put it in that tank mm. in New York City and come back in a couple months. And uh, well, and same thing with frequency, labor of love. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, real success. It, it's a beer that I have enjoyed multiple times. So when I was handed one to be like, hey, why don't you talk about this on the show? I was like, oh, any day. Um, so yeah, real, real winner on this one. But I also, I will say, the captain has the beer that initially turned me into an IPA drinker. Interesting. Um, and so I am uh, excited to hear a little bit more about this 18 watt. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I, uh, a full disclosure, uh, Dan, uh, and this is in no, no, no way speaks ill of, of, of these beers specifically. Due to my general palate, neither one of these ones are ones I would ordinarily get. But I, I, I like most beers that I have. I like all good beers. Uh, and, and that's what this is. So it's been a while since I've had the 18 watt. As I recall, when it first came out, there were there was basically it was the 18 watt, the half stack and the full stack. Or am I missing a? Yeah. a, a no, you got oh. it. Yeah. They yeah, were all confusingly referred to as Billy. And then that second name. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. right. Well, I know it's, I know all of these are like Easter egg, uh, you know, uh, with Easter coming up right now uh it's it's it, it, easter eggs are ideal but yeah almost everything the single cut is some kind of easter egg music reference and i'm sure yeah. billy was, was that uh and uh and so in the in the intervening years that one's always been around uh so i more often i'm going for the ones that i haven't seen before like that your double dry hopped ipa is like i'm an alligator and things like that so it's kind of really mm -hmm. exciting to get back to this one 
And the first first question I have about it is you're mentioning about how the formula for Dean has changed over the years. Has the formula for this one changed at all over the years? We've Great question. We've never had a lock recipe. You know, oh, the model okay. for our company is mastery knows no shortcut. We print it on mm -hmm. everything. It's on the front of our yep. building in Queens at least three times. It's on every label. It's on every piece of merchandise that we make. You know, that's our that's our North Star. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways, it's a little bit of a, you could hear it as a pessimistic message. Mastery knows no shortcut. Because yeah. what we mean by it is we're always going to strive to take that next leap to get to that next breakthrough moment. But we also have to accept, just like all great musicians in the world, not, not that uh, I am or anyone involved is a great musician, uh, we're all pretty bad musicians. Um, you're never, we're never gonna master the art form. It, there's always yeah. gonna be things to learn. And even if we learned everything, then there's gonna be the art element that will become dissatisfied. And that's okay. Like yeah. we're, we like to take our inspiration to be a little punk rock. We should always be a little dissatisfied, and uh, we're always yeah. we're always trying to improve. Sometimes we're also just fidgety, and we just want to see what's next on the horizon for flavors and experimentation. And eighteen watt has been all over the map. When we first mm -hmm. made that beer back in two thousand and eleven into two thousand twelve, we filtered it, you know, because that's what we used to do with IPAs. Right, it was much more of a West Coast IPA, right? They all yeah, were, was, especially as a San Diego kid. Yeah. That was that was my that was my jam. I, I loved that. And then, you know, as we got around and going, we started to have that moment of like, boy, I really love drinking that beer out of the tank before we filter it. I'll bet other people would too eventually. So that's what we started doing. We'd increase our cold crash a little bit to help get hot particulate out of it, which was great. That helped us develop the workflow, which we still employ to this day, which we use not just for our single cut beers, but up at single cut North, our much, much bigger production facility of upstate New York. Uh, we make award-winning IPAs for a bunch of different breweries. And we use that same workflow to get that really great consistent haze and aroma uh, but without having to use filtration or having to use uh, centrifugal filtration or anything like that, we're able to just use biology, gravity, and temperature to get that really consistent, hazy, aromatic beer. And uh, 18 Watt's been along with us for the ride the whole time. But, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll go for about a year of really getting it locked in, and then we'll get antsy, and we'll start when to make little tweaks or... Maybe we've got a batch of, you know, Hop X that didn't have a great crop year. And we say, okay, that's great. Not a problem. That's how hops work. That's how they're supposed to work. Let's go back to that blend, see what we can bring in to kind of compensate and bring out some of those flavors that we really love. Since maybe, you know, Hop X is just not ex exhibiting those in this particular crop year. It's, it's, uh, I'd say musical. that 18 Watt is a beer that, that, uh, that I consider to be that I ever saw as a hazy IPA is like the first that I ever noticed in a glass. Mm. Mm. And, I mean, it's certainly not considered, I guess the first, but for me, you know, one that looked like orange juice in a glass, I think it was a, and that was about probably 2013 or something like that. Yeah. Right. right about that. It's entirely possible that I have not had this one since it went, took the, meant the shift to hazy. Uh, because wow. well, the funny thing is both there's a couple things have happened in the last 10 years. Uh, one like, uh, that hazy became a, a thing 
because it really wasn't when you first started brewing these beers. Uh, at least wasn't a big thing in a huge way. Also, even though it was, well, I, I think at the time people weren't even calling, talking about session IPAs. There were a couple of beers like uh, Founders All Day IPA that really right. started to push that. But this was a, a low ABV IPA early on. We didn't necessarily call it session IPAs. Um, but it was definitely, I remember that, that West Coast thing. And for myself, the West Coast ones are probably the ones that I like least. I, I can enjoy a really well-made one, but that high high hop content, that like right punch you in the face bitterness is something I never, I, I, I've done my best, never really fully acquired a taste for. So I prefer this version of it. Uh, I, I noticed it was like, obviously this is fresh right out of the brewery. Uh, very crisp, very, uh, and that non-filter just makes it a little more easy drinking. And uh, I think I think it's really remarkable. I like it a lot. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. We kind of took the phrase session IPA as a uh, goal more than a descriptor. You know, it's yeah. It, I mean, honestly, like, you know, it's a it's a style that does not have a good reputation. And it's a yeah, style yeah. that shouldn't have a good reputation because honestly, it started with a lot of brewers. And, you know, I've seen it with my own eyes, never single cut. But it's like, well, how do you make your session IPA? It's like, well, we over attenuate. Um, our standard IPA, and then we water it down. And, you know, I wouldn't say there's anything good about that, but there's there's a lot of beers that get made in that same way in a really consistent way. But you lose a lot of soul when you do that. And so you ended yeah. up with these, if not watery, then these very light-on-the-palate beers um, that had a really intense hop attack. I wouldn't even know if I'd call it a hop aroma. But... Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Porter, you said it perfectly. Like that's what it's all about. Like it was just, it was just bitter. It was an assault. It was a, it was a punch in the face. And, yeah. and, and no offense to those, I, I yeah, because like punch in the face. Okay, I think I think Huck feels differently. Yeah, <laughs> this is where the money gets made. I got to protect. That's this right. Thing, no, you, you know? got to get punched. Yeah. It's a really yeah, that good hoppiness. Yeah, you want it to come right out and smack you. But I, I remember back when we were first getting into all this, when the beer vendors were first forming, that that Huck was always looking for those uh, stone and joy by beers, and and oh for me gosh, they they really yeah. they really were very much in that style. Again, back stone, to San Diego. stone IPA, just OG IPA, my desert island beer. That's what yeah. that's what I'm taking to the island. I used to say lot. that all the time. It was like the best yeah. IPA that was made that could be that made. Yeah, the original stone. A word about Jackrabbit. They're about. Uh, 10 years uh, as well. They're uh, uh -oh. established. It says, it says 2012, but then other websites says 2013. I so. think I might have visited them when I was in San Diego. At Sacramento. Oh, so it's okay. But they, they might have had, I feel like there was one they had a, a, an outlet of it somewhere, somewhere near the water. That's all I remember. Now that funkiness I was talking about, it's actually, I think it's the odiness. Ooh. I'm getting like an odie, like a, like a barnyard finish to it with the oats. And it's it's combined with the chocolate. It's a very interesting uh, uh, blend. I'm sure Dan will be able to describe it better than me. But yeah. well, I think I know what you're talking about. I'm a simple about. I'm a, man, Dan. I'm a big I'm a big fan of uh, ripping high cacao level chocolates. I yeah. always got a little on my desk. My my wife got me some 64. percent That did not do the trick. Well. Ooh, very good. That's low. Not, that's very low. Not, yeah, yeah, not up there. <laughs> but you get those really high you. quality milk chocolates, especially or or even like a 64. percent You know. You get that, that, um, I mean, it's kind of wild, right? We're like, we're alive in 2023 where you go to the coffee shop and there's six options of milk always now, yeah. you know, which is great. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't drink a lot of milk anymore. Some of them actually you, have dairy in them too. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
when you when you get that like actual milk latte and you're like, oh, this tastes like an animal product. Like I can taste hay and grass. This is weird. Like we were just drinking this yeah. for for hundreds of years without questioning it. Like you get that in chocolate sometimes. You get that that barnyard. So maybe maybe that's just it. They were so true to what they said they were going to do. It's going to be a chocolate stout with oatmeal. Right. Let's taste some hay in there. Yep. They're not messing around. Mm-mm. I was thinking about the uh, single cuts I had over the pandemic. Cause I went over there to the brewery a couple of times. I was still in New York at the time and I got the, I got some, some yawn. Is it yawn? We pronounce it. You got it. You nailed it. First swing. That's a good out one. Of the park. Yeah. And I also got this beer that it says it's not in production, but maybe you'll bring it back. All in all is all. Oh, my Mybach. Yeah. Remember this with elderberry. That one was fun. Yeah. It's, it's it was great. I really enjoy. It. I'm a big Maybach guy, but uh, yeah, it was really uh, really fun. And you use your beautiful horizontal lagering tanks. It's true. That's one of the fun things that we did when we opened. Is we imported some horizontal lagering tanks from uh, from the EU. And you had those in Queens. They're in Queens. Yeah, and it's yeah. Uh, I have a little prop here. It's the easiest way to describe it. You know, it's. I mean, I don't need to tell the beer vendors this. I know you know it, but for anybody you know listening, you know it. A normal tank is kind of shaped like this, right? You know? mm-hmm. It's it's cylindrical and it's got a little cone at the bottom, right? And the the cone mm-hmm. is there because it collects the yeast as it slides down. Because ales like to ferment warm, and they're quote unquote top fermenting beers. Ale right. yeast likes to. It's not really the top. It's kind of just the upper quadrant of a tank. They kind of spin around in little circles through convection. There's a little bit of heat produced during fermentation. Very small, but makes little convection circles inside the tank. And then when you crash the beer, so you get it really, really cold, uh, it slows the fermentation process. It also makes them very sleepy. They, they fall asleep. They take a nap. They drop to the bottom of the tank. And then we're able to collect them from the cone and repitch them to another beer. This is the kind of traditional way of doing uh, manufacturing brewing. It uh, doesn't always work that way now when so many beers are dry hopped, especially dry hopped early, but just for the sake of the argument. Lager yeast, though, is a bottom fermenting yeast. They like to ferment towards the bottom of the vessel, and they like to be kind of cold. So you can kind of see the problem here. If you have a a conical vessel there, not always, but sometimes, and a lot of this is more theoretical than practical, the lager yeast would theoretically stack up in this cone. It would be all on top of each other. They want to give them some elbow room, let them have access to all that delicious maltose that's floating around in there so they can chomp it up and make esters and phenols uh alcohol which i'm sure we can all agree is one of the better parts of the experience and you also make a ton mm-hmm. of uh, carbon dioxide which is going to blow off so we don't we, we want them to be happy we want them to be healthy we want them to do their job and we want them to do it in a reasonable time and effort so uh those crafty bavarians whoop, they just flipped it on its side mm-hmm. oh look at them so we've got horizontal tanks, and they're not quite cylindrical. They're, they've got a little bit more of an ovular shape. It's got a nice space down here on the bottom so that yeast can kind of spread out, get a little little elbow room, be happy and healthy. They get a little bit more access to the beer for primary fermentation. Uh, again, I won't lie to you guys. I think that's a little bit more um, story than function. Uh, brewer's yeast, especially... Uh, properly industrially protected yeast is is hardy they're good at doing their jobs under any circumstances but i'll bet you in the 1850s somewhere in a cave outside of prague that horizontal tank came in really clutch 
Probably so. That's probably so. That's great. I wish we were taping this. This is good. Good information. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Who, 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 I'll figure out how to edit that into like uh, you know a, a special little web uh, uh, series that we can put on. Since this is all audio tape, but yeah, we, we, all, all of you listening, we just got a wonderful visual demonstration from Dan. And well, well, we're not uh, maybe, recording the video. We are recording it. So, but but uh, we don't usually release it. Uh, I, I was this, joking. I, I know we were recording for nothing is what you're telling. Yeah, me. yeah I know. I know. You, it looks great. You, you Thank you. Great. It looks good for us. So, yeah, we'll definitely be using that. For, it's going to make those still shots pop when we show the, the poor picks. Yeah, yeah. So. The tuxedo we'll is my, we'll is my Monday to Friday, but the uh, the feather boa I got just for you guys. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a nice touch. Yeah, it's going to be great for the photos. Yeah, no worries. Speaking of. Your, you know, epic fashion choices uh, here you. today. I, I yeah. do feel like it is time to get to know you a little bit better, which means. Well, this Captain. is this is true because, I mean, we know a little bit about, the, you know, you came from San Diego. I know part of your your backstory because uh, uh, because I used to see you at Crescent and Vine as well. But uh, oh, that really only right, scratches please. the surface. Uh, I think it's really time to learn a little bit more about Dan's uh, origin story. Origin story. Origin story. Origin story. We triggered it again. Yes. <laughs> so yes, uh, we want to know how uh, when when Dan first started, whatever, how early you want to go back, however comfortable you're going back. Keeping in mind that if it goes too far back, the statute of limitations is probably fine. <laughs> uh, as to uh, as to how your uh, how how you found your path uh, to the uh, well, you know, actually, since you're on the show, you're already a beer avenger. Spoiler alert, everyone who comes on the show right on. is a beer wow. avenger. Uh, by the end, so so how you set down your path towards that, where where it began, what, what even if it's the most ignominious way, just just uh, <laughs> how did you start your beard journey? Well, I, I think the top line is that uh, I I didn't gr- I grew up in a family where nobody uh, drank, and not for any mm. uh, particularly religious or ethical or cultural reasons. Just uh, just wasn't a, a, a taste. it happens. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah exactly. I have a similar upbringing. Bit California right. people uh, sometimes. So that's uh, that's kind of how it went. So I, I really found my way into craft beer uh, through my lifelong, never-ending passion for food. That's that's my absolute favorite. I know there's no video, and so you guys are thinking like, Dan, you're six foot three, you're so svelte, you got that eight pack. But believe it or not, um, food's really my 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 go-to. So I just had a great appreciation for flavor. I grew up in San Diego, so that's a cheat sheet uh, for New Yorkers because I I. Grew came up in one of the biggest, most robust beer scenes really in the world. Um, mm. There's hu- literally hundreds of breweries in the county of San Diego, which is, I think, three, three and a half million people or something like that. A, a lovely place to be from and an even lovelier place to have family who lives and will let you stay in their houses for free. Mm. Um, so I just got this great exposure to this incredible uh, array of beautiful beers Um I studied uh, sociology and film when I was in school. Uh, Mm. And so I had a little pre-career in the film industry, which wasn't quite for me. Uh, But when I was in school, I got totally spoiled and I got to take this uh, sociology of food cultures uh, year, actually, a pretty intensive study, which was great. And uh, my professor in that department was uh, not just a huge appreciator of food, Uh, but a massive appreciator of fermentation in all of its forms, very specifically to with craft beer. So this is in the, you know, the early 2000s. And, uh, 
he introduced me, took me to the original location for Ailsmith and mm. took us all in there. Um, statute of limitations being enacted now because definitely none of us were 21, uh, but they didn't question <laughs> the professor. So we really got our first uh, tastes, mine too, really informative. And uh, the beer that I knew, you know, in high school and college was something that was just so far away from this incredible experience of aroma and flavor, but also culture and narrative and this artistic expression, the idea that this beer wasn't utilitarian. It wasn't to be just to be drank at home after a long day. Not speaking ill of that. That's amazing. That's a wonderful thing that beer does. It gives us this great community. Mm -hmm. But craft beer like this really gave us this incredible community of flavor and artistic expression. And it really, really spoke to me. I loved film. I loved food. And I found a third passion. I really learned to love craft beer. So uh, flash forward years and years and years, I moved to New York for a film shoot. Um, I kind of quickly figure out when faced with New York uh, housing costs that the film industry was never going to be for me. Um, so um, I really pivoted um, after a while. And I said, hey, I've always worked in hospitality. It was always my job. I, I worked in re at resorts when I was in uh, college in San Diego. And I always got to do the beverage program. It was something I loved. Um, something that gave me an opportunity to connect with my guests and really get them excited. They're all visiting San Diego. They're going to want some beer. It's one of the things that the city is really known for. So it's a great connection point. And uh, yeah, so I started working at, you know, beer bars around uh, New York. And like I said, it was a cheat code because they're like, oh, have you, have you, have you had a double IPA? I was like, oh, yeah, I had one in school, you know, literally. Yeah. So I, I had all these... Uh, you know, uh, these tastes, this palette for um, a beer style, which was still kind of new in New York in the late 2000s, early 2010s, um, which was something I was really excited about. You know, it's it's part of Single Cut's origin story, not so much mine, but when we opened in 2012 and early in 2011, there was only a handful, and I mean that like as in less than five, of year-round IPAs made in the city, which was just Ooh, yeah. really... Right. Incredible. So, you know, well, there's yeah. so few breweries, right? I mean, right. single cut. I mean, I know this is slightly disputed by Rockaway, but uh, oh, and we can end that dispute. They're 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 totally right. They're okay. They, so they you're were... not for the long time. The, the single, a lot of the single cut where they were saying you're the the first uh, post prohibition brewery in Queens. I would always like to say first production brewery. Um, okay, I, I, I think okay. to the yeah. I think to the defense of people in single cut making those claims uh you know nine or ten years ago and all of the journalists who wrote about it um the rockway people are incredible what a great team uh, i yeah. i just think it was a it's a, a little bit different scale um and i think that bridge and tunnel and and rich and castania and all the incredible people there and maybe even uh big alice i think was right around the same time we all mm -hmm. had our origins at the same time i just think maybe from a like a journalist's perspective the, the scale was a little different. So you, we walked sure. into single cut Queens sure. and it was a 30 barrel system with full right. tanks. It was a, it was a big swing for the fences. Um, I, I think that's where that really kind of comes from. It's that, that right. production sized brewery was the first, but uh, as far as on paper who made legal beer the first time, it wouldn't be single cut. And I'm not trying to be coy. I just, I wouldn't want to get involved with the rest of the folks of the timelines. I just don't remember exactly, but it no, that's fair. definitively wasn't single cut for the first pint of beer made, but first production brewery was definitely single cut. 
This okay. is why we were drinking those California beers, why we love Stone so much and Sierra Nevada, mm-hmm. because it wasn't here. Right. New York just wasn't making the, those beers. And like we were going to Pony yeah. Bar in 2010, and right, yep, a lot of a lot of the beers weren't coming from the city yet. And I mean, yeah, an explosion. Well, point. to be fair, we were just getting used to f- having good American beers, let alone That's beers right. all over New York. Yeah. <laughs> Lest we forget, yes. Yeah. I look back on those times, and I, I'm a little sentimental. Also, granted, if you're going to pick between, hey, do you want to have a great beer scene, or do you want to live in a city that just gets all their beer brought in? Of course, you want to have a great beer scene. That's always better. Yeah. yeah. Um. But it's been tough. There's all these like really great imports where New York was the creme de la creme because it's New York City, right? Stuff from other mm-hmm. places in the world. Well, of course, New York's going to have the best. And we did. You know, like yeah. talk about importing beer scene. Philly maybe could give us a little bit of a run from our money with Tom Peters and all the great work that Monks did. They always had some incredible stuff. But, hey, I want to try every beer from Europe. Oh, just go to New York. Like just walk around. You'll go to that little Polish restaurant in your neighborhood, and they're going to have like right. three incredible beers that maybe you don't see anywhere else, you know, because yeah. there mm-hmm. just isn't that that regional demand. And with the beer scene being so big here, and I mean, just being so prolific, like having so much of it of such high quality, you know, between yeah. 2012 and 2015, you went from like, oh, it's local, I'll buy it because, yeah, okay, maybe it'll be good. To being like, oh, I can throw a rock and I'm going to hit a world-class brewer. You know, it's, it was really wild. Right. But we've kind of sucked all the oxygen out of that opportunity for tasting the, the world's beer like we, we used to have, you know. And, no, it's and true. We've, a little we've, been do, we've been doing this for uh, li- almost, it'll be three years if we're still doing it in the fall. Uh, and, uh, and we have had over 200 breweries on. Uh, as far as not brewers, but the beers that we've had, we've had over 200 different uh, uh, breweries represented. And I think over 90% of them have been American beers. Yeah. Probably 93. Yeah. I mean, the rest of the world makes good beer too. You know, it's hard. Mm-hmm. But we, when you go to those places, that's when you really enjoy it. In yeah. my mind, yeah. when you go to Ireland, mm-hmm. when you go to Germany, uh, Belgium, which we just did last year, uh, Belgium mm-hmm. and Germany. And, and the, it's just, it. what do they say? The, the, what do the kids say? It just hits different. Those yeah, kids, that's true. They <laughs> know kids. what's up sometimes, you know? And uh, I guess to segue it into my very shortened backstory here too, that importing and exporting is what I did next in my career. I, I, I worked oh. with some some larger brewers here in the East Coast and, and did uh, exporting uh, overseas, specifically to Asia. Um, so that, uh, you know, that boat journey is not the friend of beer, especially craft beer, you know, right. If you force filter your products, um, which there's a lot of amazing beers, even amazing single cut beers, which do get force filtered. That's not a bad word in any way, shape or form. It just needs to be used responsibly and for the right reasons. Mm Um, you know, you can get a lot more shelf life on the beer. Uh, and there's a reason why that high life you forget in the back of your fridge and it's 10 months old doesn't taste that much different than the fresh one. Yeah. Um, because yeah. a lot of science went into that, making that shelf stable. Craft beer, that's not what it's about. It's about the experience. It's about the story that the liquid tells. Um, that doesn't live on boats very well. And I think mm-hmm. some of our best habits and our best traditions as American brewers we've adopted came from some of those very small regional European brewers who are much more about the story and the locale and the freshness right. really doing the heavy lifting. Um, so yeah, that, that's the big plus, right? If I can get beer from Brooklyn, it's going to taste a lot better than beer that had to get shipped in from Belgium. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So was the uh, the importing exporting thing? Was that with uh, uh, did that have anything to do with uh, something called live bitter consultation? Oh, that is a yes. We, we we've seen your LinkedIn profile, Dan. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, thank you. Do our research. That, that does make me feel a lot better now. Okay. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, that was a that was an awesome little uh, era. Um, beer was so new and so exciting, um, and you really had to curate because there was a lot more ill-conditioned beer out in the market. Yeah. So I had a few years before my single cut uh, tenure, which is about a little over eight years now, um, being general manager. And, and, this, and this was was this used this simultaneously while you were working at Crescent Vine? Because I, I, you didn't mention how, because yeah, that's where I first met you when you were bartending at Crescent Vine. Or I you were bartending, great, and you were their buyer, right? Yeah, not a great work-life balance of that era of my life, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, pour one out for Crescent and Vine, the best, yeah. just yeah. one of the best bars, period, in all five boroughs, and certainly one of the absolute best beer bars. Um, that's all thanks to Fernando and Sue that was their shop. They, they owned the restaurant next door, which is called Fatty's Cafe. You're an Australian right. OG, if you know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, do they still exist over on 30th Avenue? They do not, no. No, that one close to, okay. Yes, if you want to catch Fernando, he's actually... Uh, one of the managers over at Pig Beach. So go down there and say what's oh. up to him. Yeah, oh, a wow. lot of Astoria's right. social scene and nightlife scene is thanks in no small part um, to the efforts of him and his wife, Sue, um, who really built a community, uh, a community which I got to work in, build a life in, um, which was amazing. And those sweethearts, again, in the in the early uh, 2010s, late 2000s, whichever way it landed on that side of the, the coin, um, yeah, just let me take over their spot, uh, which they had no good reason to do. And let me build out a beautiful program and a, a great cheese program, too, when that was a, a, still available, but a little bit less common. And it was it was just great. We got to pour some incredible beers from all over the world. We got to debut a bunch of breweries. We got to work with people from their infancy. You know, uh, We had a launch for Single Cut there. We had a launch for Transmitter there. Uh, LIC Beer Project also started there. Uh, or not, didn't start there. He just had their uh, the, their uh, debut night. Um, it was an incredible place. Yeah, it was Tiny, a nice bar, too. yeah. 450 square feet. Um, if you didn't have a friend before you walked in there, you were going to get one because you were physically touching them. Well, Dan, as a shout out to your curation skills, uh, I will say 100% that the, the funny thing about Crescent Vine was you can tell from the name of it that it sort of, I think, initially was conceived as a wine bar. And I know you had lots of wonderful wine there as well. It's a place you walked down into. It felt like you're in the middle of a wine cellar. Uh, you're drinking in a wine cellar and I always kept intending to have wine, but your beer list was so great. I almost <laughs> never had wine when I was there. There's always, there was always having like, Oh, I've got to try that beer. Uh, oh, or they have that beer again. Or yeah, it was, it was, uh, I have, always. I have seen the captain drink wine. Oh yeah. I like, I like wine, it does happen. but Crescent and Vine, the, the, uh, the, your, your beer list was so great. That's all I ever had there. Oh, I have that you. same issue a lot. When I go to a place that has a good beer list, it's like, Oh, I'd like to have some of this wine, but come on. Yeah, I got to try some of this, and, this great beer. And I can't say it uh, enough. That was uh, that's all Fernando and Sue. You know, they really they built a business. They saw it like changing a little bit. And, you know, and most people I've worked in hospitality my whole life. If you buy a you own a restaurant, you run it like you're doing it because you love it and you have pride. Those are the only reasons why, because nobody makes money doing this unless you're Danny Meyer or, uh, you know, that's it. He's the only one. <laughs> Uh, you know, you do it so you can realize your dream. So, you know, when you get this punk kid coming in, um, 
who's changing things up and that's what people are excited about. I, I think a lot of people would have been like, hey, that's not our business and we don't want to do that. And these guys were just it's like, oh, this is great. Like this is this is fun. People are having a good time. That's all that matters. Cause that's what that's what wine too, but especially craft beer is all about. It's hack, but it's true. Like it's about community. It's about people just having a good time. And using this as like a little icebreaker to get them chatting. And that's what that bar was all about. A, a magical place. It'll, it'll live in my heart for forever. I, I dearly, dearly miss it. And so oh. what, what exactly, so how did you find yourself moving from there to single cut? Single cut. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, I kept up with uh, Rich Bassetta, who's the founder of single cut. He still serves as our uh, CCO. So he, he's the guy who makes all these incredible labels. You know, we'd work together well for a he while. Did, he did design all of them? All of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Very rare exception. Unless it's one of our kidding. cool, like, augmented reality labels. We have a company we work with for those. He does all of it. From Obviously, the iconic 18-watt, this frequency design is his. They're, they're, they're all his. Unless it's some kind of a video game uh, label, uh, he designs all those. Uh, I, I could have been at Crescent Line for the rest of my life, but uh, you know, the older you get, uh, six a.m. is real late. Uh, you know, and <laughs> well, especially since it turned out Crescent and yeah. Vine, you've already outlived Crescent and Vine, so that that wasn't a possibility in retrospect, anyway. That's a fair. That's a fair. Point. Sadly enough, yeah. and for those of you uh, who've only heard of the Brooklyn Pig Beach, I'm assuming you're saying he's working at the at the Astoria one that took they over the, one pr- the former Studio Squarespace. So exactly, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Oh great man, he's a party over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, little, but anyway, uh, so yeah, equally fun. A little bit less rowdy than Studio Square, which is nice. Yes, I agree. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll wrap this up because this is my short story is going on for so long. Um, Doing great. The single cut. I came in as general manager of our company. Um, just a little bit of everything. Um, I still, you know, work with our front of houses to make sure that our amazing team is, you know, equipped to keep entertaining people and having a great time. But you know, we've grown a lot. Uh, we went from being mm-hmm. a, a brewery which primarily distributed in Brooklyn, Queens, to at our apex of distribution in 2019. You know, we were distributing all the way out to. Uh, was as far west as we went, it, it, Illinois, uh, as far south as the Carolinas, and then uh, we. I do have a friend in Ohio. I do have a friend in Ohio who found uh, a, a bottle of Eric there. It might have been a can of Eric there. Ohio, we're still in full state. We love Ohio. I get a visit all the time, which is great, though not for a little while here, um, and a lot of international. So um, we send a ton of beer to the UK, to Sweden. Um, through very specific distribution channels that really understand the product that they're working with. It's cold stored the whole time. It's on some expedited shipping routes. So it's really landing about two weeks later than it would at a normal store. So really not that big of a deal, especially not with the quality control, which our crew has on our beers. Um, they're, you know, they're really going to be tasting great for four plus months. And then in 2018, the, the big move that we did was, uh, we really just couldn't produce as much. Um, we love our Queens home. It's always been our home base and a story will always be home for single cut. There's nothing in it that would ever change about that, but producing a full distribution network's worth of beer in a 5,000 square foot box on 37th street was very quickly becoming, uh, 
dangerous, if not impossible, I think would probably be the best way to say it. Now, Dan, when you first started working at Single Cut, they, they still hadn't even moved into cans or bottles at that point, right? It was no, all we draft. were just on draft. In fact, uh, one of my very first days was our first, uh, first or second bottling run. And we okay. had really oh, just wow. started that, yeah. And that was something really new for, for small craft beer, just not really been in package now. Of course, it's different now. You can go into major grocers all over the country, and there's whole aisles of local small batch uh, craft beer. Maybe uh, maybe a little bit too much, I think. I think we can all agree sometimes. A little, little daunting, and no brewer completely happy with the speed in which all that sells. But it's great to have all those options and get to experience all those different flavors and brewers. But uh, for us, we've always been a distributing brewery. That's how we make our money is we sell to bars and stores. And um, we needed to make some big changes and changes that probably weren't going to be possible uh, in our beautiful little home on 37th Street. So we jumped into the deep end of the pool and we bought a much, much larger brewer, uh, the Schmaltz Brewing Company. Um, not the brand, right. but their, their physical space in Clifton Park, which mm-hmm. is still our home up there. Five-year anniversary this week, actually. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's uh, Single Touch North. Our production facility, which I alluded figure, to earlier, figure since it was Schmaltz, Mazel Tov was the. the oh, was there you go. Congratulations. Yeah. Well played. Of course. Um, yeah, and we've been we've been ready and rocking. We we have more space than we would ever intend to use, um, which gave us a great opportunity to basically help out some friends who were in a similar situation to us, but maybe didn't have access to buying a giant forty thousand square foot brewery in a perfectly placed uh crossroads of the i-90 and the i-87 um (laughs) which not to talk logistics but that's what i do in the company these days is so nice um you can be anywhere on the eastern seaboard in less than a day's drive which is great um yeah really really cool stuff um there's also a massive toll to come in and out of the new york uh on uh with commercial so it makes everything that comes out of new york city much more expensive Oh, so there's a tap room upstate too, yeah? There is, yeah. So we have a nice big tap room up there. And, so, you know, we're a little bit in the country, still in an industrial park, but you guys know industrial parks. Well, given, given the, what I've seen to my trip to San Diego, you must feel right at home there. <laughs> right. It's the lifeblood of the brewing industry, being yeah, that's next right. to a random uh, a plumbing company. Yeah, that's that's, right. that's how it works. Yeah, that's what they're like here in, in Fresno, yeah. Right. You find somewhere industrial and then it becomes a destination. You don't go to an existing destination. You turn it into one. And we've got a little of that going. So, yeah, Single yeah. Cut North, we have got an incredible small batch distiller who's across the street now. Uh, oh, wow. We do some huge events with them all the time. We're having a big fifth anniversary party at the end of this month, which we're really excited about. Well, very cool. Uh, I know I've got a couple of questions. I, I, I don't know if, uh, if uh, Huck and Beer Wonder have other questions, but before we get to that, I think uh, Huck wanted to had something he wanted to think you wanted to do another. I don't want to take. I want to take too much time because we know we got to name our beer avenger here. Yeah, Uh, but I did. uh, Well, I mean, I could keep drinking it after the show's over. But uh, in honor of our our uh, beer avenger here, we're going to go down south. Go down to oh the Carlsbad there. Oh, pizza port. This is called bacon and eggs. It is a uh, imperial coffee porter. That is also one that All I visited when I was uh, when I was in uh, San Diego. I didn't. Ju- I'm it's not just saying this for a... your benefit, Dan. I took a, a trip there uh, in uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, and so I, with the sole purpose of visiting as many breweries as possible. That's the place. Pizza Port's kind of a bigger brewery down here, 
down here. I mean, in California, they're so the great thing about it is you can get their cans a lot cheaper than some of the other breweries. Well, the funny <laughs> thing is, really the location, make really quality beers. The location where Pizza Port is, I think, was the original location of Stone, of the first Stone. I remember seeing something on the wall there about that. That's do not, I have that, that right, Dan? Right. I think yeah. I think you are right. I know that um, Stone certainly didn't start in that Disneyland of fermentation that they have now in Escondido. Yeah. Yeah, Disneyland, Disneyland is, is the fermentation is the correct term. Oh, I think. Yeah. Even if you're not Again. talking about fermentation, just the first thing I thought of when I didn't go to the one in Escondido, but they went to the one in San Diego at that big mall there, and Disney was the first thing I thought of when I saw their facility. It felt like I was like, "This feels like a Disney uh, restaurant." Uh, uh, the one in Liberty just, Station, by chance, that ring. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had I threw them off. Oh, Captain, this is party. Coffee City here. Oh wow! Oh my gosh, delightful. <laughs> So much coffee. I love my coffee porters. When somebody says there's a coffee porter, I mean, you guys do a coffee. I don't remember any much single cut coffee beers, but if you say you're going to do a coffee porter, coffee stout, I want to taste coffee. Yeah. You know, agreed. And this is, this is, this is coming through. We're with coffee you on that. city here. We're, we're big coffee. We're coffee nerds. Very coffee reverent. Like if, if, it's, if it's got a kind of a hint of coffee. No, don't put the word coffee on the can. You're just going to give me a hint. All right, I'm off my high horse now. Let's continue. Right. No, I agree. No, it's yeah, it's, it's interesting. Well, because um, Dan, you keep calling me uh, Captain Porter uh, Brown Stone. It's actually Brown Stout because it has oh. all my favorite styles of beer in together. It's all right. No, I say this because I want to talk about We've some of my been favorite. Dancing with Mister Brown Stout. Like, oh, I'm gonna throw some. No, it's fine. I just, here. I, I, but I have to tell you that before I tell you about how why it's obvious why I haven't had an 18 watt in all these years because I'm more often to go. Uh, for the Eric or the Heavy Boots of Lead, especially Ooh, yeah, love yeah. the Freeform Jazz Odyssey. Haven't had any of them on the show, yes. but in the but single cut, we've actually doubled the number of single, single cuts we've had in the history of the show tonight because we had uh, three times on episode two. We had the the collaboration you did with uh, KCBC called Maud Doom oh, in yeah. uh, episode. Oh, that was me. Yeah, I it think was it was. Was it you? I think it was I think me. It was. I'll take credit. Yeah. I. All right, I'll I'll check the spreadsheet. All right, no, it could have been you. It could have been you. Uh, well, in those first ones, uh, the first couple of episodes, we were trying to get every every uh, burrow in, and I saw that one. I was like, this looks great. Uh, for episode twelve, we did Steel Idle Trees, which That's, I oh, think yeah. is, is, is that was you, incredible. That was and a then weird one. It was, and I really liked it a lot. Yeah. Uh, it was an anniversary, wasn't it? It was an what? eighth anniversary edition. Yeah, yeah. they even go. gave gave you a free T shirt with a little single cut with an eight uh, on there. Uh, <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> And then episode 14 uh, had the aged heavy boots of lead. Mm. Did you get one of the ones I love that. in wax and you had to I did. Uh, pry it I did. with your teeth? Okay. Honestly, well, <laughs> I didn't, but, but these guys had to talk a lot more than they thought they did on my pour because it took me so long <laughs> to get that thing open. That's very true. We did have a lot of riffing that, on yeah. that episode, I remember. Yeah, that, 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 uh-huh. was, that was our first uh, wax, wax thing. And every, still, every time I have a wax one, it was like, okay, you guys talk for a while. I'll see how this works. If I'm ever uh, murdered in a coup at work, just you've heard it here, it was because of those cans. Uh, but so so when t- talking about all the all these all these fantastic beers, uh, some which are you know you're the, you have a lot of, of ones you've been doing since almost the beginning that you're still even if you're changing the recipe a little bit you're you're doing continually, uh, and, but you're still finding uh, and you're doing a lot of uh, I see a lot of double dry hopped IPAs which I know are very popular now so you got to you know you got to give people what they want. In the midst mm-hmm. of all of that, you still come up with some really interesting experimental beers. 
Um, how do you how do you strike that balance? Oh, that's like a, it's the number one question. It's what every uh, creative meeting is about. It's what every fight and debate is about. Um, it's really tough. We have very we're very um, infrastructurally we're a relatively large infrastructurally. I don't know if that's a word. Um, in terms of our infrastructure, um, we're a relatively large brewer for a regional sized brewer. Our our systems are quite large. Um, our system in Queens is uh, oversized 30 barrels, and that's our smallest. That's our test batch system. Um, our facility up north is all 50 uh, barrel batches going into 100, but predominantly 200 barrel tanks. So 400 wow. kegs worth of beer in a, in a batch. So it's, uh, it's hard. Uh, you you want to be experimental. You want to take risks. You want to keep that innovation going because it's so you know, crucial, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, in our world with craft beer, everybody wants to try that next thing. And so do we. We get antsy. We want to try the next thing. <laughs> um, but you got to be really confident because we're really going to be swinging for the fences every time we turn on that that system and we know those systems like the back of our hands so we know pretty mm-hmm. well i'm knocking on wood 99 chance this beer is going to be good is it going to be our beer we're super satisfied with well only time and our efforts will tell so um yeah always and it's a frustration point i don't think i'm betraying our inner dramas yeah. there you know it's like <laughs> Our brewers, they will want to. They want to make something new, or they want to try that technique that they they thought of after they were sitting and really doing sensory on the last batch beer we made. Like, oh, I cracked it! I know how to make this beer perfect. When can we brew it again? And then our salespeople have to be like, "Hey, we still have some, and we got to try all these other yeah. things. Maybe next right. year." And it's you know, you're pulling your hair out. You know, it's one of those. It's one of those things. So it's it's fun you know it's it's these are nice problems these are these are the yeah. great problems co2 shortages insurance payments uh inflation these are the unfun problems but the what are we going to brew next let's have a cage match about it that's that's the best uh, but at the end of the day rich who's the founder of the company is the chief creative officer he's going to be the one and a lot of times it's like we're going to do this one because i have the coolest label that I have that I just came up with yesterday. So that's the beer we got to put out because I want to see that label on the shelf. And a lot of times that's how it happens. Label first and then beer after. Reverse engineering. That's fun. I love that. (laughs) That's terrific. I love, I love hearing that. Yeah. Along those same lines, uh, it's interesting as this far as another thing where where the 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 fiscal uh, notion uh, as far as distribution, you mentioned you're all over the East Coast as well as well into the Midwest, a little bit into the South, uh, sort of like so half the country. Uh, and uh, I spoke to a, a, a beer rep recently. I won't I won't say who they are because I, I don't I mean, she told me this openly, but I, I, I don't know if, if but the, they, they were talking about this imperial beer that they had that they specifically, they wanted it to be a higher ABV, but they had to keep it at 8% because otherwise they couldn't sell it as beer in New Hampshire. <laughs> have uh, have you had any any stories along those lines as far as like things like, okay, rules we have to, so we can d- distribute this to all markets? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm, I, I don't, I don't believe that that's accurate. Well, I believe your story is accurate. I don't believe that yeah. her information necessarily was accurate. However, um, New Hampshire is a great example of we're the United States of America, and I'm not going to start a federalist argument here. Um, right. But in my world, it sucks. 
it sucks so yeah. hard. Like every state has different rules and not just from mm -hmm. like things involving the alcohol, but things involving the business surrounding alcohol. There's just oh. horror stories of uh, there's certain states that are known as like hard franchise states, kind of air quotes for those just listening. Um, where the state basically oversees, regulates, kind of controls the business dealings of alcoholic uh, companies. And after 1933, when prohibition ended, the three-tier system in America was created. And this right, is basically like an yeah, exactly, mm -hmm. yeah, an anti-saloon measure to stop Schlitz from owning hundreds of bars scattered across densely populated urban centers and you know, uh, contributing to the moral blight of drinking, which we don't have to get into that. I think we all as adults now know like, oh, that was just racist. They just yeah. knew yep. immigrants were coming to your <laughs> yep. culture and they wanted to get rid of them. That simple as that. That was, you know, uh, long story short, they forced created an, uh, an intermediary, uh, a second tier a distributor. And if you can hear disdain in my voice, I love all of our partners. They're incredible people, but it's frustrating. You know, you have to, there's a forced yeah. middle person. And of course, delivering beer is really really hard we're very yeah. glad to work with amazing distributors who can do that for us um, but the notion that uh it's kind of federally mandated can be really frustrating to a lot of a lot of people um but every state also has different rules on uh, what actually goes into the beer so for a long time new hampshire every beer that got sent to the state had to have uh, lab tested and verified alcohol content on it Objectively, that's probably a pretty good idea. But when you're the only state that does it, save for one other, it is a big wrench in the works. I'll tell you what, it's, oh, sure. it's, yeah. it's really intense. So I believe that when she says that kind of crazy story of New Hampshire. But there's states like Texas where if you've got a business, your distributor who owns the rights to your beer, in some cases, can have the legal standing to pay another brewery to make your beer and then sell it. Some, yeah. some really crazy, crazy stuff. Um, lots of paperwork. Lots of lots of paperwork. I like paperwork. Pays my bills, but a lot so of it. come a long way. But uh, there's still some, uh, still a lot of uh, red tape out there. You could we could cover the Statue of Liberty in that red tape. She'd be <laughs> yes, gleaming. Yeah, nice. I didn't uh, didn't single cut originally. You uh, were delivering your own beer to cut out the middleman. Yeah, so you're you're exactly right. So that actually is a provision in most states. You can self distribute if you're under a certain mm -hmm. um, uh, under a certain production uh, cap, and that production cap is very very large. Um, the only brewer in the New York area who I think wouldn't qualify for that is probably Brooklyn Brewery. Oh, okay, um, it oh, is, wow. it's very okay. very high. You you'd very quickly run into the logistics hurdles well before you run into the to the. Uh, to the barrelage hurdles. Uh, and, and that's true. So I, I shouldn't uh, skip around that. And a bunch of really incredible beer brewers still do self-distribution. It's a great way of, you know, getting to have that one-on-one -on -one experience with your, with your clients. It's, it's, it's really vital. It's vital for craft brewing, but it's also not explicitly guaranteed. Um, New Jersey has been proposing changes to their law for a while. That would make that very, very difficult to do. There's you know, been, crazy talk about making tap rooms sell their beer to a distributor to then sell it back to them. Um, I've heard of stories in Florida where they, they do that, where they can, yeah, they can do that without actually moving the beer. They sell it by keeping it there. And then once they, and then they sell it, buy it back. And that way they can sell it in their own tap room. I feel like there's a word for that. Like, uh, I think that's a racket is what that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking I corruption. That's more specific. Ugh. All right. Well, to, 
Uh, Dan, uh, to end all of this on, on, on a more positive note, uh, happy 10 years. Uh, I know you haven't met her all 10, but happy 10 years to single cut. Uh, what, uh, what are some exciting things coming up, uh, on the horizon for single cut? Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you're based in New York city, you got to come and hang out. Uh, we just shuffled around a lot of material. Um, our Queens brewery is, is brewing a lot less beer now than it, uh, used to for logistics quality of life reasons, a million things. We have our big brewery up at Single Cut North, which is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. It's my long-winded way of saying that we have some space for the first time in 10 years, which is a completely foreign concept. Is that why you put in the pinball machines? Especially in New York. (laughs) I have finally gotten to realize one of my all-time hospitality dreams, Um, and we have an incredibly curated pinball bar hidden in the back of Single Cut Queens. It's a partnership with uh, Sunshine Laundry and Greenpoint, which is just one of the absolute best pinball meccas on the East Coast. Um, they're going through some transitions right now, so we're kind of serving as um, their remote location, if you will. So that's a forever thing. That's not a that's not a, um, a promo we're doing you know, this quarter or anything. That is our pinball bar. We had our first tournament this last weekend, which was incredible. Um, I would invite everybody to come out and play. You got to get there early because that uh, tournament was filled 40 minutes before registration uh, closed. Um, oh, wow. It was, it was amazing. So we had to turn some people away, which I never liked doing, but it was so, so, so much fun. And if you're out in far flung New York or far flung from the city, uh, five years for Single Cut North coming up at the end of this uh, month. So we'll be celebrating with our fifth annual. Have a drink on me, 5K. And when that all wraps up, we'll transition right into our fifth anniversary party. We've got some incredible musicians we've brought in from the Capital Region and Vermont. We've had a huge outdoor stage. And uh, in two weeks, which is makes my stomach drop as I said that, two weeks from today, we'll be opening up the Single Cut Barn, our outlet in the Syracuse area. We'll be in Manliest, wow. New York, if you know that area, which is really, really lovely. Very cool. Brand new tap room built in a 203-year-old barn um, in what used to be an old lumber yard and has now turned into this uh, incredible community-based maker fair. Um, so it's some awesome coffee roasters who are there, glass blowers, succulent gardeners, um, incredible uh, antique artisans. And then we're right in the middle in this big, beautiful barn with the big beer garden. It's, it's going to be something really special. Very cool. Uh, well, I think uh, I, we're about ready to wrap things up. But uh, Huck mentioned a moment ago that one thing we have not yet done yet is uh, is the naming rights. That's true. That's right. It's time. The official Ooh, naming ceremony. I assume that uh, uh, the captain and Beer Wonder have some great ideas. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's hard to uh, single cut Dan. Is, I mean, if that includes okay. his actual name, it's it's a good one. Uh, another one, since mostly because it's where you come from, and it's such a as you mentioned, a wonderful beer paradise. There's always Dan Diego. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Now I I was thinking of uh because they do so much rock references. Mm. Oh yeah, music thing. That, sure. Yeah. Love. Oh, that's true. Yeah. We yeah. didn't even get into that. Sure. Now, there's not a uh, there's not a dance that are rockers. I mean, we're not going to do get any Fogelberg lyrics for you. <sighs> but what about Steely Dan? We feel good about Steely Dan. Top five favorite band of all time. Okay. Great. Wow. So I'm thinking uh, it could be, we could say Dr. Wu. <laughs> uh, I don't get that one. 
Kid, Kid Charlemagne. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. That's fun. I, I'm. So, I don't know if I'm supposed to participate here. I'm sorry. No, you absolutely no, 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 because you have full approval. There's no. You can't be have a name forced on you. You must approve mm-hmm. of it. Exactly. And Kid so, Charlemagne. And I said big black cow, but that's you know that's not. We don't want to go. Uh, maybe necessarily want to do that. <laughs> Although it's supposed to be something that you drink. I was just looking at the lyrics. You drink your big black it's cow. A, it's a Coca-Cola here. float, if I'm not mistaken. <sighs> See, I did not know that. See, you know you're Learning steely dense. Hey, you yeah. got to uh, go make yourself a big black cow and then get out of here. That's all I'm saying. You and got, get out of here. You got your, you got your marching on. <laughs> you know. Now you, could, you, could you make that with Eric? Is there right. a version? And you have Eric more cowbell. Yeah. You certainly can. Let me tell you. It's but delicious. To, to call the let me uh, all right, you guys discuss. Hang on, give me a second. <laughs> all right, so we've given you so we've given you several options. What is popping for you, Dan? I'm going Kid Charlemagne. That that feels Kid Charlemagne. good. That's all right. That's, that's that's is there gas in the car? Sometimes that first reaction is the one that sticks. You know. Mm. Yes, there's gas in the car. All right, we go, let's go with that. All right, Kid Charlemagne. It the is Kid. Well, uh, I love I, it. He I, loves I, it. We love it. I was going to say, Dan, so but, easy. But, but I'm now going to call you by your Beer Avenger name, Kid Charlemagne. Thanks so much for, for coming in. It was wonderful hearing all about your beer journey. Uh, and uh, come back anytime. Captain Brown Stout, Huck, Wander. Oh, nice job. What a pleasure. Oh, what a pleasure. Excellent. Uh, all right. Absolutely. So if, you, if, if you're looking to, to visit uh, the, the New York version of uh, Single Cut Beer Smiths, the original one, that's at 1933. 37th street very near my undisclosed location in astoria queens mm-hmm. uh and then then up the uh, single cut north and the other the other one up near syracuse soon to be open the big barn just look on their website find all of them uh and if you want to know more about the beer avengers uh you probably all know this but follow us on social media at the beer avengers you can look at that on instagram twitter uh what's the other one uh, facebook uh and uh and you can email us at thebeervengers at gmail.com. Am I leaving anything out, Beer Wonder? Don't forget TikTok. Oh, yes. Get that TikTok. We are, we are it's hip man. It just We're hits differently over there. It just yeah, hits yeah, differently. It's different. Uh, the, the great thing about TikTok is, uh, is that we always uh, get lots of views, but who knows how long people are actually looking at them or engaging. So it gives us a false sense of, of exposure. <laughs> exactly. All right. Right on. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And Thanks, uh, yeah. Dan. Great time. Yeah, plays Thank out, you, Huck. Oh, with a beer, 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 Avengers, beer, 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 Avengers, beer, 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 Avengers. With a beer, Avengers.